From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fans. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, we are the Forum for the Fans. The Bleed Blue Show. The Dugout Podcast. We're, We're back. Uh, the lockout episode, uh, Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And know what? I was actually going to address this on a Zoom No Chaser. You catch a Zoom No Chaser every other uh, Sunday on the weekends here. You know, where I really go on a rant on whatever I think comes to mind. But I said, you know what? I got to holler at Susie Prof. Uh, we need to talk about this lockout because we haven't talked about it all off season because we haven't been on. But we're going to play catch up. Uh, get her thoughts on Major League Baseball 2022 uh, season. Uh, it could say temporarily suspended. Uh, the sides are far apart, and we'll get into the details of that. Uh, Susie Prof, Susie Prof on Twitter, and Susie Prof one on IG, Bleeding Yankee Blue. Susie Prof, I've caught up on Ted Lasso. We could talk about that too. How you doing, Susie? How's everything? Hey. How are you? Yeah, you're going to have to find a lot more streaming to uh, to do <laughs> because we've got no baseball until at least uh, Memorial Day at this point. But, yeah, I'm doing well, and I'm looking to fill my time with other things. And, I, uh, you know, obviously we'll get to the crux of the whole, you know, situation that we're faced with now. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll have to discuss what, what are our alternative plans are this year because it doesn't look uh, real good right now. Susie Prob, come on, you already know when it comes to the shows, I got that covered. I am probably good t- till uh, March 7, 2023, 365 days from now. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but point noted, I get your point as far as baseball. And, 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 I, and I say this because – I'm not. I'm really up and down about this, and I'm kind of neutral about this as far as from a sports fan. Because honestly, we're Yankee fans, and and as a Yankee fan, we have done nothing to improve the team. So it's not like I'm looking at it like, man, we're we lost out on a 2022 World Series ring with this lockout. So, so on that side, I'm like, eh, okay, we ain't getting nowhere. But at the at the same time, for baseball fans. Uh, for the owners in the MLBPA not to come even close uh, to uh, getting something done. And, and this is the first time I can remember, Susie, probably maybe correct me if I'm wrong, that the full schedule has been fully affected because of uh, negotiations, correct? Oh, yeah. The, the last time there was a, a lockout of this nature, and it really wasn't a lockout, it was a shrink, it was in the middle of the season and I want to say that it was in um, in the 90s or late 80s, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't a lockout. It wasn't that the owners locked the players out. To your point, at the beginning of the season, with the cancellation of series and games, kind of just happening in real time. It was uh, in the middle of the summer um, when that happened, and uh, although a nightmare. It wasn't like this. It wasn't like what we're dealing with right now. This is actually the very first time um, in league history that the schedule is essentially compromised by an owner-implemented uh, lockout. 
And um, as you, the sports writer, because you write a lot of content all year round, but in the off season, you do the, you know, you write a lot of pieces. I see it on Twitter, and I read it. You know, talk about what the Yankees need to do as far as upgrade to the team. But what what goes through your mind now that all that's kind of a, on a back burner because the sides have not come close to coming to a, to a deal. Like what goes on your mind right now to this day of as you as a fan, the sports writer, like what is your like real thoughts? Because that's kind of, I really like talking to you about these things on this platform with, you know, with bleeding Yankee blue. Like what is on your mind exactly, you know, verbally expressing that? Yeah. I think the thing that, that pains me the most and, for those of you that haven't had a chance to read my piece from yesterday, um, Sunday, March 6th, April 9th, Yankee Stadium or bust, um, I think that's where my real feelings came out. And it really mm-hmm. focuses on, you know, the big, great, wonderful um, career of Joe DiMaggio and how he was waiting for that next opening day. And he had a sign outside of his, you know, in his bedroom when he was suffering in his last year of life um, of lung cancer that said April 9th, Yankee Stadium or bust in hopes of making it to just one more opening day. And he passed away in March of 1999, ironically, um, and he didn't get to that last opening day. And Honestly, he can't go back and, you know, in retrospect, we can't go back in retrospect and say, oh, like, you know, I, I gave something up. Because in reality, Joe D was to baseball as like Christmases to kids. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he gave and took from a game that served him well and he served his fans well. And so precious time is what comes to mind, Steve, every passing day that they, the two sides don't come together with an agreement, we're missing out on history. We're missing out on records. We're missing out on opportunities to see greatness, like perfect games and, you know, hitting for the cycle uh, and, you know, a rookie's first hit. Those are days that can never come back. So Joe D, for his life, he worked hard. He ran hard. He warmed up to throw his first pitch because he was such a perfectionist. And he lived a full life of baseball and fandom and serving, as I said, uh, a sport that served him so well. So there was no looking back. Um, There was no regret, if you will. Here, I see nothing but regret, nothing but time lost. Mike Trout, who's been out with, with injury after injury, I think he played like 36 games the last time he did play, he's, he's fully healthy. And he's, he's approaching 30 years old. How many more games is he going to get to play? How many more games is, is Garrett Cole going to get to play? You know, and be healthy. And be and, and, and respect respect the fact that your body is healthy enough to do these things. Not many more days. Because it's a very short lived career. Derek Jeter was very lucky to be able to play twenty years. 
but you knew at the end, I mean, he was he was beat up and battered. And every time he could get out on the field and do it again was a gift. But I don't feel like the people today running baseball, playing in baseball, get that. I feel like they don't respect time. And mm. I, I just, that's the thing that's getting my goat is the time that's passing. I haven't been to the ballpark in two years. Now, last year, my choice, 2020, not my choice. I had opening day tickets 2020. And that's time missed between myself and, and the people I shared games with. My son, for instance, we go to at least one Yankee game a year and we do it up. We do it the best way possible. We show up early. We stay late. We buy every souvenir, every piece of popcorn, every, every peanut, every drink that you can have. We get there, we come home, and we laugh about it, and we have a great time. That, there are so many fans that won't get to take their child to a game. Or how many Joe D's are out there in their final years of life that can't get to the stadium again, can't get to any stadium, let alone Yankee Stadium. So I feel that they just are not respecting the positions that they are in and the responsibilities they have in getting baseball going again. That's where my passion is. That's what my piece is about, and that's how I really feel. I probably need to go and read it after hearing that. I probably will go back and read it and tweet at you on what I agree, probably most of it, and what I you know disagree if, if there is any, to see exactly the depths of what you wrote about. I'm going to have to go check that out. Um, didn't have the chance to, but you gave me a homework assignment, and I'll follow up on Twitter with uh, Susie, Susie Prof on your piece. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I think that's a great – uh, underlying point is the time aspect versus the money. And you brought up the time is the, what I just took out. What you said, out what you just said, and and that's I think that's what's the the most valuable asset we all have. Whether you are a fan or if you are a player, even owner, whatever spectator, it's about the time. And this has become big business, and this. To those guys doing the negotiations, is it's about the dollar bill. Um, they don't necessarily care about the time because I think what you're implying, and, what, and I agree with you as far as the time aspect, the people negotiating each side is valuing the dollar. They believe one side deserves the value of the dollar more than the other, or is, there's a certain percentage that you know, just think they believe, you know, they deserve more. I'm not the, going to get into the crux of who I believe or should believe, but that's what it comes down to. And I think you make a great point on why this has not gotten going because they value the money over the time where fans like yourself, the sports writer in you as well, and just a person, it's about the time. It's about your family time. It's about enjoying the experience. It's getting out and, and, and shoot. Let's talk about the last couple of years as far as normalcy. Getting back to what we have known for for decades in this in the sport of baseball is get outside and go see your team. You know, cheer for them to win or just get to see generational talent 
that whether they come into uh, Yankee Stadium, if that's your home stadium, or the away stadium, and that's what it's about. And you're absolutely correct, and that's a great way uh, to look at it. And now, as far as the value of the dollar, this is what I've, you know, seeing what's going on with the MLB and MLBPA. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things, different differences they that they have. But man, I mean, this uh, competitive balance tax is the to me is the biggest issue. I don't know if you've seen the intricate details of what the negotiations are on, but man, they they're really far apart on this. I mean, they're far apart on all the stuff that I'm seeing. You know, the minimum salary, the you know the uh, the union uh, as far as the pre arbitration bonuses. But man, that competitive balance tax, man. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars and then you have a, a pretty much a big gap of what the owners want versus the, the MLBPA man uh, what it has what has caught your eye if any you know between these differences uh, between uh, the the union and and, and and the ownership what's your thoughts on that and then also we're going to get your thoughts on the uh, commissioner you know I know you're going to sound off on that yeah you know you bring up a very good point um this competitive balance tax, you know, is similar to like, you know, mm-hmm. what you see in the Actors Guild around, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. syndication and, and uh, you know, the, the ability to, to make money over, over time. And um, that's a problem. It really is a problem. Um, the, the threshold, it's so far apart to your point right now um, that I, I, I don't know. They're going to have to compromise. I, I think it's going to come down to Steve, but the mm-hmm. other pieces, you know, that, I mean, some of it is money, right? You know, you're looking at, you know, how much money um, these owners are making off of uh, media rights. We're looking at, um, you know, obviously ticket sales, and luxury ticket sales. Uh, we're looking at, um, you know, the the souvenirs, the, the the jerseys, the shirts, all of the likenesses. Um, you know, of course, the agents are missing out. They're not getting, you know, their due. They're not getting their money. But then there's like the pieces of the game. You know, if they're like ripping it apart, like like a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, you know this whole idea of the shift, and oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we'll give you back the shift, and then the you know the DH, and then the pitching clock. It's almost becoming like you know <laughs> the industrial revolution here. You know, like this whole idea of just like changing the game so much that it's gonna become so unrecognizable at some point. It's like these players today, I can't even, like, compare them to the players of 20 years ago, of 30 years ago. I I can't. You know, the the players that I grew up, like, watching and cheering for and the players that I watched in my 20s and 30s and then raising my children, you know, and then today's players, it's like I don't even recognize them. Because they, you know, they they are driving around in in, in these cars. <laughs> like even when they were coming to the to the um, spring training 
um, negotiations. They went up to the St. Louis Cardinals Stadium in, uh, I think, Jupiter, Florida. They all pulling up in their, like, sports cars and luxury vehicles and, you know, parking. And then the fans were out there just sort of, like, seeing all of this and just calling out to them to save baseball. It's like you can't recognize the game today. I mean, the money was always there. It's like, not, you know, what was it, eight men out uh, years ago, the Chicago White Sox betting, you know, story and, and throwing the game and whatever. I feel like mm-hmm. it's like that. It's like it's like the threat. Like, I think it was Jameson Tyon said, we're, we're, we're so used to the owner's threats. That made me think back to, like, Comiskey and, you know, the, the threats put on you know, the, the, the players or that, you know, say, oh, you know, uh, you, know you, you didn't make it, you know, to, to, the, uh, to, to win the, the extra money or the, the bonus. And, you know, I remember the player saying to Kaminsky, yeah, but that's because, you know, so-and-so manager took me out of the game. Well, well you probably needed to come out of the game. No, I could have stayed in the game. You withheld that money. So it's like, some of that is fiction and some of that was real. I guarantee you this is like kind of like the, you know, the, the, the sort of back and forth banter. Like this is a long time coming because as much as we didn't see it in the 80s and 90s when all of these strikes mm-hmm. were going on, I think mm-hmm. that same underlying issue of money and changes to the game was still going on. And, and it just now – Given what you said, given COVID-19, given the shortened season, given, you know, the, the ticket sales and the modifications being made to stadiums in order to allow crowds and only partial crowds and whatnot, given all that, it's like now they want to try to make all of that back in like one or two years. And it's just, it's just too much. It's just too much. Yeah, it is. Um, it's about lost revenue and the owners are trying to not to give up their side of their pie where the union feels their value is more to what the owners are offering. So, I mean, I, I see, I, I'm very neutral when it comes to these things because I'm the fan. I'm not the player. I'm not the owner. So the, yeah. when it comes to the value of money, yeah, when it comes to the value of money, is really fighting to what you believe in. And you are right, the word compromise. Then the compromise is, going back to the other word you said two times ago, is the value of time. Compromising time is really coinciding in this whole thing. No matter what lockout or strike mm-hmm. happens to be in any sport, you're, you're pretty, it's, it's almost a loop when you look at it like that. Like compromising your time, not necessarily the money, but you're giving it up all for what? For a couple of thousand dollars? Uh, obviously a couple of thousand, yeah. but, uh, maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. But, I mean, the the players really want every last penny that they can get out of this. And they're going to fight tooth and nail to it. And now as far as changing the game, now that's something I Because of their time. Right, it's about because their time. Because of their time, right? They're, mm-hmm. it's, so they're fighting for their time. But right now we're wasting time. Right? It's so weird how you like, look at it like that. <laughs> right? If you look at right, I mean, not everybody's getting twenty seasons like like like, you know, Derek Jeter. 
We know that. I think it's like the average is like eight. If they're lucky okay. and healthy, they're not getting it. I mean, look at Don Manningly. God, I wish he would have stayed healthy. I wish they would have had the technology to support mm-hmm. that guy staying in the game long. Because, I mean, look at that guy. Don Manningly, the fans guy, the hitman. Who, would, right. who wouldn't want to see him play longer? Right? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, right. Albert Pujols, done. Last year, right? I mean, he played he, – he's a Hall of Famer. And that's the other thing. Now it's like these Hall of Famers. You know, the the guys that are coming up now that are the Hall of Famers, now we can go and or, or up for eligibility. That's the tainted years that are coming up now, right? The peg years. And it's like, oh, my God, like between COVID and pegs and money – and just an astronomical sort of uh, increase in everything baseball over the last what ten years. It's not even. It's cheaper to go to Disney World than it is to go to Yankee Stadium. Seriously, it's like so much money to park and everything else mm-hmm. there. I mean, unless you're local and you're getting a bleacher seat. But even still, like, if you're going to an outing for a game, it's like you're taking the day off from work, which is money, right? I mean, even if you're getting paid to be taking the day off, great. But you're still, you know, that goes against what? Your time. <laughs> time earned. But it's like it's not even – it's it's crazy. Like, I know when I get to Disney World and I, I'm, like, in the park, I get this, like, feeling about me. Like, I'm happy – and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy stuff, and this is a memory, and who cares if, you know, it's $25 for, you know, a hot dog or whatever. You don't even think about it. You're like, I want to bring stuff home so that I remember what it was like. It's the same feeling for me anyway in Yankee Stadium because it's like I love this thing. I want to remember this moment for the rest of my life. And then we all talk about the games that we went to, right? The, the ticket stub that you saved. Now, you know, that's, that's like a hot commodity, a ticket stub. But like I was thinking <laughs> the other day when I was working out, I have the Derek Jeter last tick, like last home game of Derek Jeter ticket in like a, like a little frame. And, I, you know, I remember that day. I remember – Going there early. I remember telling my boss, nope, I can't work. I got to go. This is it. You know, that kind of thing. And how much money and time and effort and enjoyment that I got out of it. Imagine, like, we lost another season with Jeter because of the strike or because I of know. the lockout. Especially that one. Imagine, right? Especially those teams. Now, I ain't going to lie. I mean, this team – I don't think we're going to win, so it's like, eh, eh. I mean, we have a chance, but I don't have a, we don't have, a, like, a real, real chance. Like, not compared to those their Jeter teams. Oh, no. Oh, no. We, I'd be irate because we're knocking on the door because I'm all about championships and all about the experience with those championships on what I did that year. So I agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, if you are a fan of a team that's on the brink of winning championships, plural, you are an irate fan. Even if you're just a novice fan, maybe your team stinks, but you love – Maybe you love Der- the Derek Jeters, or you like players from around the league, the Mike Trouts, like you said. Um, you know, 
Christian Yelich. You know, if you like players from, this, you know, Freddie Freeman, uh, guys, old timers, getting up there in age, uh, maybe in the middle of their prime, you want to see them produce. And this is the time to catch them. And they're not out there because of negotiations and lack of compromise and most importantly time. And yeah, that's uh, it's a black guy. So that's, that's actually the next question for you. Like, what do you think, if they ever get past this point, how much is it going to turn off? Not, not necessarily the Susie Probs or maybe the Steve Azul's. I'm not going to talk about us. I'm talking about a fan that's probably eh, borderline lukewarm. I'll go to a game. I might be motivated to go to a game, but what about because of everything that's happening around society? I mean, come on, look at the gas prices, the cost of everything going up, and now you're arguing literally about thousands tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And how much is that going to turn off the regular, not passionate, not as passionate baseball fan? Do you think they'll still gravitate to baseball if they ever get this fixed? Or you think they're going to lose some, some momentum, some steam? I think, you know, everything that Major League Baseball is trying to do to attract the young person back to the sport is all going to be backfiring on them because of this nonsense. And that's a shame. You're right. Let's take the passion out of it. Like, do people really want to waste their money going to a baseball game? Or would they rather go get an Airbnb and relax at the beach? Or go go do something else that makes them happy? Fuck. You know, it's like you find other things. I know we were kind of joking in the beginning, like, what are we going to watch? Like, you've got streaming set up for yourself through 2023. You know, when one <laughs> door closes, another one opens. Right? I mean, think about it. When one door closes, another door opens. And, like, I know you and I were bantering about, well, what about MLS? And, you know, and you know, for me, it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to get through March Madness. And, you know, the Rangers, who knows, hockey, let's see. You know, I'm a Ranger fan. Maybe we got mm-hmm. something there. And I'm going to get to June. And then I'm going to go to Long Beach Island, and I'm going to kayak, and I'm going to relax, and I'm going to put my feet up, and I'm going to uh, enjoy it. And then it's going to be the middle of July, and then I'm going to go find something else. Like Ted Lasso drops in July. They started shooting today. So Perfect timing. Ted Lasso. <laughs> We're good. Right? We're Perfect good. timing. But you know what I'm saying? We fill the void. We fill the thing with something else. It's like during the pandemic when we weren't commuting, well, we we did something else. We we door dashed. We, we, we found other ways to kind of connect with other people or make our home a home office and invest our money elsewhere. I think the, 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 you know, the blase fan, the I'll take it or leave it kind of fan may not come back and they'll fill the Mm. void with something else. I'll tell you what, I was frustrated when, uh, you know, back in the early nineties when, um, when this nonsense was going on. And I remember I had tickets for a game in Philadelphia. I had never been to the vet and I wanted to go. And Mm -hmm. it just so happened that my game got canceled because 
of the the lockout. That was the season. Right. I would say like ninety four, ninety five, when that yeah, lockout 94. happened. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, I went to Philadelphia and I did the city and we had a great time, but I, I didn't really miss baseball. Like it irritated me, but like we filled the time with something else. And that's my point. I think the longer we're without baseball, the worse that game is as far as bringing back people to the sport, it actually, all of these changes, as I said earlier, are going to backfire to make this a youthful kind of game again. It's just people aren't going to worth it. And you bring up the gas prices. Yeah, everything's going to go up now. I mean, I I, I have a train ticket, but I'm going to a conference in Baltimore. I'll be right outside of Camden Yards. And you know me, like I'll be walking around and like checking it out or whatever even though I knew mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a game there, but I'd be, like, nostalgic about it. I'll have to tell you, my train ticket round trip was so much money, and I'm like, dang, like, why? Mm-hmm. The, the flights to Florida, dang, they're all going up already. It's not because it's spring break. It's not because, you know, it's the winter or whatever. It's because we're going to feel – the effects of what's going on in the Ukraine and these dummies that can't, don't even have another game, uh, another meeting scheduled right now because they came to such an impasse over the weekend are, are sitting there denying all of us America's pastime. And is it truly America's pastime anymore? I don't know. I think football is more of America's pastime than baseball right now. It may be. And, that's a good point. I never really thought about that until you said as far as the effect on the youth, and especially today's youth, where they have a million ways to entertain themselves, not like they did when I was a kid. Uh, man, when we had our ways, we had Nintendo and all that, Ataris. But, I mean, now, I mean, they could just get a TikTok account and, and literally get, like, 100,000 viewers or followers and, and, and actually make monetary uh, uh, strides with that. So maybe a lot of the the fans that would have probably gravitated to baseball, and this is going to turn a lot of the youth off, honestly. I think it would. I mean, they have too many outlets, the video gaming and, and the uh, uh, social media, especially that. I mean, yeah, baseball is a really in the no mind, TikTok. especially in a world. That's what I said. Yeah, they, they got a TikTok. And they, they, I mean, they're all. That's where, all, matter of fact, that's where all the youth has kind of gone. That's been the number one social media app in the world, uh, uh, surpassing Facebook because of the youth. Youth has all gravitated there, and the adults followed. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big deal, man, for baseball for the future of baseball. Um, now, now, well, I'll put it like this: I'm not, I, I can't say that for sure because I think when I'm looking at it from American, uh, come, you know, players coming up. We know there's talent all over the world, especially like the Dominican Republic. I can't speak for the cultures there because we already know they have brought in great talent over the last two, three plus decades, easily by the by the loads. So I, I will withhold judgment as far as that. But I'm talking about American youth, man, totally. 
Yeah, it's, 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 it's just slipping away day by the day. But let me ask you this. We were talking about time. You talked about it earlier. This is interesting because of their negotiations with speeding up the game. And I ain't going to lie, Susie Cross. Some of these games be – I mean, should I appreciate a five-hour game between uh, Yankees and Red Sox? I mean, some of these games be super long. So, when you're, like you said, uh, as far as the, the pitch clock uh, – you know, with nobody on base for 14 seconds, you got 14 seconds to throw the ball, and then somebody's on base another additional five seconds. Do you you like that, or do you not, do you like the, they want to speed up the game? No. And I can understand the players. And I, I, I hear. Hold on, let me finish. And I, I, I hear you know, but I can understand why the players would be against that too. A lot of them because of how they set up their that's their stick of how they wind up. They get into their um their motions and and. Uh, to throw whatever pitches they need at the plate. So a lot of the games have been long, um, and and I can see they want to speed up the game. But I see why you're saying, "I go ahead, fire away," because they, I mean, they, I mean, this is part of the negotiations. Until you brought it up early, and I thought this was uh, interesting too, depending on who you talk to. Yeah, no, and and that's part of the negotiations. You know, is the the All pitch right. clock, um, the shift. Uh, well, the DH rule is is going through, but. But but and the larger bases, which I, I'm interested to hear your point of view on that. But yeah. the, the pitch clock, and the other one that I hate the most out of all of these, well, pitch clock is kind of close, uh, is the phantom runner, the ghost runner at second base, which hasn't even come up, which you talk about making a game in extra innings go longer. Uh, I mean, you can't put a fake run. That's fake. You can't put a fake runner on second base. That is the stupidest. I don't even want to watch the game. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I'll turn off the game. And I don't know that I would even stay in the stadium to watch that because it's terrible. So, honestly, this pitch clock is crap. First of all, it raises a pitcher's anxiety. It raises the player's anxiety. I think there'll be more errors. I think there'll be more wild pitches. I actually think it's going to be a detriment for all of those reasons. And I think it's ridiculous. But then can you say the same thing about the snap or the play clock, right? We Every other mm-hmm. sport, football, basketball, they have – those time limits in place. And I do think, you know, there are mistakes and timeouts that have to be wasted as a result of all of that. Um, I, I, I just don't see it in baseball. I, I just, I really just don't see it in baseball. I don't see how it's going to work. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's unnecessary. And I, it, and again, it goes back to what I said before. It's like it's like Monopoly, right? Everybody's house years ago had their own rules for Monopoly, right? You know, we had one where it was like you can't put hotels and houses on the same. Like, that's it. You can't do that. Or, like, I'm only going to charge you partial rent or whatever. All these stupid things. Or, like, you, it's, it's, you know, you put your money in free parking, and then you roll whatever and you get it. I, I, you know, all these silly rules. Everybody had their own house rules for Monopoly. 
and it's like it could be different than mine. And we deviated so much, probably from the original rules, that nobody even knew what those rules were. That's what I feel like baseball is doing right now. They're deviating from so many different rules that have been carried on from generations to generations that by the time we get to 2025, a few years from now, it's like the game of 1995 and 2025 is almost unrecognizable. And I don't want that to happen. I want it, and I'm not like old school either. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, you know, Suzanne, she's old school. She doesn't think that statistics play anything into the game, that she talks about, you know, a lot of like you see, you know it when you see it kind of thing. I, you know mm-hmm. what? I, I think that, you know, data, I work in a, in a field where data runs the roost. But it sometimes can't just be data. Or you also need to be able to read the data and understand and synthesize multiple data points to make decisions. So I'm not, it's not that I'm old school that I don't think baseball can grow. It's not like, you know, I don't mind, I don't mind an alternate jersey here or there. Do I need to be out of the Diamondbacks and have 17 of them? No, I don't mind them. As a matter of fact, I find it refreshing. But there are certain things that you just really shouldn't be touching in, in a game that is, you know, well over 100 years old at this point. You should just leave certain things alone. And it, it ain't broke. Why are you fixing it? And who's telling us that it's broke? I mean, it's not the fans. It's not. Because the real hardcore fans that call into WFAN and rant and rave and, like, write the letters to the editor and tweet out all over the place, they really don't want this crap. They like tradition. They like the sport. And, unfortunately, the youth that are coming up are going to be all mixed up, not knowing what the true game is. And I have a son who's 24 years old, who's gone to a gazillion Yankee games with me. We watch them together, and he's annoyed. So I think that the (laughs) youth that grew up in households like my own are like, this is crap, and this isn't right. And if this is the way the game is going to be played, I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore because it's not the game of baseball like I knew it. And as far as one of the uh, the installations they're trying to do, you mentioned the uh, larger bases, and you wanted my opinion on it. This is interesting because this is more driven by the owners, obviously, and, and I understand the yeah. rationale. And the rationale as far as it's almost like they're going against what they're preaching about in the executive offices because before it was all about analytics of uh, getting guy, you know, hitting the baseball that's, you know, depending on who it is, the certain parts of the, the, the outfield. Uh, it was really about maximizing your runs, especially if it's uh, a power hitting team and things like that, but they're kind of changing it or, or shifting, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> shifting the, 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 the criteria you could say as far as they think this would help score more runs. 
And if you really think about it logically, it probably could. But is it good for the game overall? I haven't given that much thought, but I will say this. Now, if they're saying this as far as the owners wanting, because they kind of experimented this with uh, the minor league baseball, uh, larger bases, that means if you're a team that's a a running team, there's a great chance you're going to have more steal attempts. You may not get caught as much. You might going to get caught more, but you're going to have more attempts. If you're a guy grounding, uh, you know, a ground ball, you're hustling down the first base line. There's a good chance you might beat the run because remember, there's a lot of these replays. You know, going, you know, going to the replay. If the guy is safe, you know, bang bang, you know, whether it's a steal or a ground out, larger base theoretically means to me logically saying. You're probably going to get those safe calls that probably would have been out in the past. And that means more opportunities of, you know, runners in scoring position, more guys on base, things like that. And then if, I mean, then that, that's compounding the issue with the issue, then you talk about if they're trying to get this pitch count crap. Now you're throwing that into the mix. You're really going to try to speed up the game and try to get more runs. I, I haven't thought it all through. I'm thinking it all through as I, I sounded off to you right now. So, I'm thinking it out. I'm just looking at it, what their rationale is. I'm not, I don't know yet. What about you as far as that larger base situation? Well, and the one thing that I will say, I agree with everything you've said um, from, you know, more stolen bases to uh, more uh, beating out base hits and things like that. But the one thing that always strikes me is like, you know, the injuries that happen when you slide. That's true, too. Right? That's true. If you have a bigger base and you more real estate, chances are there's more space, less of a chance of an injury, and I'd be all about that. So, I mean, my thought process, my head went right there. More real estate, less less interaction between the second baseman and you're all trying to get to the same real estate. I, I think we probably would prevent at least a second base, um, mm-hmm. more injuries at second, at, 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 at second base for the fielder is particularly when we're looking at a double play situation. Um, but that's my thought. And, and even stealing a base. Uh, I always worry. I always think of, of, the, of the runner just, you know, like a Luke Voigt who just like runs like a, <laughs> not that he's stealing a base, but he's always like, running like a bull in a China style. Yeah. Like, and like <laughs> with that, who knows? He, he, they're probably a bad example, but what, you know, could we, could we prevent more injuries from this happening? So, you know, that's where my head went. And here's the interesting part about it is because I know there are going to be some players within the union that will never uh, or maybe they will speak out, but it will probably get swallowed by the bigger union as a whole. I mean, if you were one of these guys who, you know, that used to be an art, like, as you already know, you know, your Tim Raineses, your Ricky Hendersons, yep. uh, your Otis Nixons, you know, these fast guys that they've made it an art to steal bases, uh, they, you know, 60, 70 plus steals in a season. So if you guys, you know, these guys who were steal leaders, let's say over the last couple of years, or whether it's the Murfields or your Martes from Miami, you know, from the Marlins or, or you, you know, you, you said Mullins with, with Baltimore. A lot of these guys kind of would make the case. I mean, I don't know how their contracts is, you know, you know, are made up incentively, but you put that in there where they could get more cash, more money in their pockets because 
you know, stealing bases obviously gives you a better chance of uh, getting runs across the plate for your team. This is more about incentives for them. And so it would probably be in their favor. They would probably all be for it. But most players overall, like you said, as far as the injuries, they will, especially double play situations, getting used to a larger base would uh, kind of hinder that of the crop of players. But it'd be interesting how, who the player is who's a middle infielder who steals a lot of bases with their thoughts. I would love to get that person's thought process on that. But, yeah, I hear I, – you're right about the injuries, man. And I think that's why a lot of players would probably be against it. But I think there's going to be a, a very small group. It's depending on also your, how your clubhouse is made up. If you're a team who's probably not necessarily a power-hitting team, but you're a scrappy, uh, you know, you know, hit and runs and things like that, I mean, you probably would be for that. Um, I got to – I would have to think that through. But I, I like that's an interesting dynamic that they would try to add. Um, Susie, probably you're you're absolutely correct on a lot of this stuff, or not all. As far as the, I think the best thing I got out of this conversation with you this uh, this evening on the lockout is time. That that's the number one thing. They are just burning time, and time in the in the era of they're bickering about money. And I and I understand. I don't want to knock knock. I'm talking about the owners and the players. I'm not knocking what monies they can negotiate, but obviously all of their money eventually comes through the fans. And these are a lot of the same fans. And if you're talking about the novice team, like you said, Susie Prof, uh, they, I would even, you said the word waste. They may not have – maybe they would want to go, but they may not have that extra disposable income in a society where everything's going up. So they probably can't they, – they're probably choosing not to afford to go to a game because of money going up. And that's even if they get on the field, it's probably going to turn some of these guys off. So I, I appreciate your points on that, man. Um, anything else, Susie Prof, you want to say for final thoughts? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're going to have a lot of time on our hands. And like, like you said, when Ted Lasso comes out, we could knock that out for the season three. <laughs> I mean, baseball, man, come on. That's, we got to do better than this, man. They got to figure that out. But your final I- thoughts, Susie Prof. Yeah, I think my final thoughts are on, you know, as the the days dwindle down, we're, we're you know, probably, what, a couple weeks now into spring training, and we'd be talking about pitchers and catchers, who's going to make the team, whatnot. Eventually now we're looking at, because of the season, the first two weeks of the season now is basically gone. Uh, so that means two series are gone at this point. As we continue to move on, another two series go away. What they have actually said, both sides, is that they're just going to pick up where we left off. In other words, those games are like they never existed. You know, it's like back to the future, right? You know, now, you know, or or – uh, what is it? Uh, it's a wonderful life, as if you it never happened, as if you never existed. Those games are eradicated; they will never come back. That's going to be very interesting because now you're going to have situations where you're not playing those teams, um, maybe not at all, or 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 less amount of time, or the advantage of playing in Yankee Stadium versus playing in Fenway versus playing in Toronto, those those games are gone. 
And it's going to be interesting because with those games gone and you're not going to replace those games, each cancellation has an impact on postseason races, uh, mm-hmm. more randomness of of what what's happening here, deciding like like who's missing out on the first two series because you know the, and then then you don't play that that game again. It, it's just very interesting to to kind of look at that, and then like it could like cause like a weird kind of scheduling sort of travel thing going on because of all this. Now you could say the same thing about rainouts and, and, you know, whatever snow outs. And, you know, when we're talking on the Northeast, we always used to say like, why are we playing in April in the Northeast when it's freezing and snowing in some places? Um, Baltimore comes to mind a few years ago, uh, right. playing up in new England, whatever you can say all that. But at the end of the day, we're talking not not a not a level playing field with the number of series, not playing in the matchups that you were supposed to play in to make it competitive, um, and maybe like a little bit of a tirade with or, or tornado when it comes to like the schedule, kind of like putting people off a little bit. These are things that they hadn't really thought about either. Um, and so I, I, I worry about all of that. I worry about this disruption that, that is in place now for a 2022 season, probably with an asterisk, just like the 2020 series. And I get it. We're not the best team. We don't even know who our team is at this point because we haven't even had the, the luxury of finishing up you know the 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 training and the, the the you know the the free agency and you know who are we gonna pay for this and that and whatever and what what about the shortstop? I mean we don't even have that luxury at this point, so it's just a real mess, Steve. So even when yeah. we get back into it, if we get back into it, there's a lot of issues and flaws with this 2022 season, regardless of all the other things that we talked about. Well, that's a great question. Do they get it back together, yes or no, for 2022? I don't know. I don't know, Steve. It's tough to see. I'm going to say yes because eventually your covers are bare and you want to get paid because they're not going to get paid. So eventually, I think somehow, some way, but we'll be lucky if we have baseball by June 1 at this point. Right, right. Yeah, um, Susie Prof, Susie Prof one on IG, bleeding Yankee blue. Um, give her, you know, I'm actually um, after the recording of this episode, Susie Prof, I'm gonna go back and read your article from yesterday on March the sixth, and then definitely give your tweet back out before I get back into my shows. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so I enjoyed um, everything we had with this conversation early on when they were really not negotiating negotiating things it was just kind of dead but now with more of the details of the back and forth the splitting of i wouldn't call it splitting of the hairs but the uh the the variables that they had put on the table to see that they're in especially in the world that we live in now versus how it was let's say earlier in the winter uh back in january uh man i mean this, i'm glad we had this conversation because it was 
I'm going to say yes, but it's a small type of chance yes, because at, at the end of the day, and I think that's what it comes down to. And for them, it comes down to money, and they're going to want some kind of money. But the point they're missing, and I think you had the best point, is they're going to get the time. The time trumps time trumps money all day because you're going to get money. You can you could get money through your time, not really the other way around. That's kind of how it works for pretty much all those cases. And this is what they're going to if they realize it. If it was from a time angle, they'll they'll figure out this expedite these things up, man. They really do. But Susie Prof, uh, we'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, your shoot, we could always get you to you know Tavaso three. Uh, review too, man. I mean, we got to, we, we'll figure out time to kill, kill time, man. If the youngest could get on TikTok, we could figure out at least do some shows or something, or your kayaking blog or something. <laughs> get, we'll figure out something. There's <laughs> too yeah. much things to do. I, I'll keep writing as long as people keep reading. I'll keep writing, and I'm always oh, interested yeah, no. in what people want to hear about. So please feel free to at me at Susie Prof on Twitter. Tell me it's, what you want to hear about, what you want to read about. And I'm I, sure we can pull it together. I will raise my hand, and maybe you'll think it out uh, and, and put it in your piece. The two things we talked about tonight, the larger bases and the pitch clock. If they were to go that yeah. route, how would it look? I, I would enjoy that, read. I would enjoy that. Right. Because now it's going to give me the bigger thing. I didn't think – yeah, yep. And, and, and tag uh, the handle, the, the Bleed Blue Show, I would – because it's probably things – these are the type of topics that is, like, so different. And you never really thought about it in the past on this sport. You know what? I never thought about it like that. Could it actually make the game better or will it kill the game over time? And then, and I love when I have to say I don't know because that makes it a great question. <laughs> That's what this yeah. will be, man. All right. Cool. Susie gotcha. Frost. Susie Frost. It'll on be on IG. the jacket. Yeah, yep, yep. Bleeding Yankee Blue, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Hey, and um, we'll be in touch, and then see you on the uh, the Twitter lines and IG, and on your articles and your content. And this, come on, baseball, let's go, bleed blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.